0: What's going on Rockies fans? Back at it again with a 20th and Blake podcast part of milehighsports.com. I'm your host Luke Zalman once again, and I wanted to talk today about where the Rockies are at, where they're heading, and a little bit about expectations of the team. I think that I think that expectations. I wrote a I wrote a pretty big column about it when I worked at uh, the Collegian at Colorado State. I wrote about how expectations can shift the way people see a team, whether it's high expectations that aren't met or low expectations that are exceeded. Expectations are the basis of all of the opinions about teams, no matter what you're looking at. If you're looking at how good the Dodgers are doing this year, it's not that big of a deal when you think about it because that was their expectation. When you look at how good the Twins are doing, it's a huge deal because the expectations were very low. And then you look at a team like how the Red Sox started, how the Rockies have been, how the Brewers have been of late, and it is very disappointing to everyone around the team fan-wise because the expectations were higher than what people are receiving. And that all, in a roundabout way, brings me to Kyle Freeland. I have often you know, wrote about how Kyle Freeland struggled, kind of why he struggled, the breaking stuff not going the way he wanted, um, his fastball not getting inside anymore. Um, I've written numerous times about what makes Kyle Freeland good when he's good, what makes him bad when he's bad. And after his latest start, I thought it was only appropriate to kind of talk about expectations. So his latest start, he allows five runs, nine hits, strikes out three, four innings, um, had to deal with a delay, also had to deal with a ton of dinked dinked being a weird word i just it's a word that i would use to describe a hit that wasn't truly a barreled ball um just either got under the glove of someone got over the head of someone else you know something little like that he had a lot of those he only had three hits that he allowed of those nine hits that were over 95 miles per hour obviously 95 miles per hour um is the stat cast definition if it's 95 or higher it is a hard hit ball in quotes um only three of those allowed. The rest were kind of dink and dunk. There were even some hits that were, you know, 60 miles per hour off the bat. Something that is a weak ground ball that ended up getting through, um, ended up getting over the head of, say, a Daniel Murphy, passed a, you know, the Rockies' defense really didn't help him out either. Um, just misplaying playing multiple balls. That's how a team hits five triples in one game. Um, you're, I don't. I don't envision a scenario where a team ever hits three triples without one or two of them being misplayed. It's just not something that happens. Teams do not hit five triples in one game. And you, if you look at just the way the whole entire game went, I think that Chris Ionetta summed it up best. I thought he pitched really well. I don't think there was a, there was maybe one or two pitches that I thought were below quality. I thought the rest was vintage free. I thought he was really good yesterday. I thought he had terrible luck, and I think it's a, it's going to be a grind of mental toughness for him to work through the stretch of bad luck and get back to being. As you can see, he really saw a ton of positives. He saw the mechanics coming back to where they were in last season's form. And he saw everything, you know, getting back to what he called a vintage, in quotes, Kyle Freeland. Um, The inside fastball was either on the inner corner or it was too far inside, which is what what Chris basically broke it down as is when he's online, his misses are going to be out of the zone. But when he's offline and he's flailing open, they're going to be in the middle of the zone. And that's what hurt him earlier this year. What made him so great last year was like, was like Chris told me was it was the ability to have the misses be either too far inside too far outside too far down and be truly misses out of the zone as opposed to misses in the in the more common sense of oh he missed right over the middle of the plate if Kyle Freeland is able to move past those he becomes a much more effective pitcher his problem overall the way I would sum it up is He is a pitcher in a high-velocity era that does not throw high-velocity. Therefore, whatever pitches he's throwing, they need to be located well. Because a 92 fastball that is not located well is basically batting practice at this point to the type of hitters that are in the league. If you throw a 92-mile-per-hour two-seam to Ronald Acuna that does not get out of the zone or does not get on a corner, he's going to demolish it. And there are many other hitters like that as well. The Bellingers, the Yeliches, all of those type of guys will destroy those pitches more often than they will miss them. And where Kyle Freeland is at a disadvantage is, for example, a guy like a Garrett Cole, a Noah Syndergaard, even a Justin Verlander that has extremely high velocity will be a guy that can, you know, get through some misses. Garrett Cole can throw a 99 fastball right down the middle and have him just blow past a guy that is not quite expecting that type of velocity. He can miss like that, whereas a guy like Kyle Freeland cannot. But overall, the thing that I noticed, I know it's it's kind of a vacuum to go on Twitter to see what people are saying about a pitcher. You know, fans are very emotional, totally understandable. Fan is short for fanatic. Um so I totally understand the emotions behind it. But I think the expectations are why people are so irritated at Kyle Freeland. Last year, it's I mean it's common knowledge. He had the second best season in Rockies history per ERA. He had the highest WAR of any season in as a Rockies starting pitcher. Expecting him to replicate that is not isn't it's just not doable. Expecting him to replicate that was foolhardy. All of, all of the people around the team expected some regression. Obviously, the amount of regression was not quite what was expected, but there was no way that the expectation could have been that he was going to replicate that season. Nor was Herman Marquez replicating his year that possible. I, I started to think, I, I got a comment that said, any, any pitching or any team that hopes to compete for a championship Calling a ERA over four good is not going to work. So I started to think, okay, the last four World Series champions, all of their fourth starters had an ERA around or over four. And that is what Senzatella has as the team's fourth starter. So that made me also think, okay, so overall, ERA-wise, where do the Rockies sit? Because Rockies, it is... Completely common knowledge are playing in a ballpark with a more expansive outfield. And to add on to that factor, they have a very subpar defensive outfield working right now. Whether it's Tapia Dahl-Blackman, whether it's Dahl-Desmond-Blackman, whether it's, I don't know, Tapia-Desmond-Dahl, and something like that. No matter what combination they are putting out right now, it is a below average defensive outfield. And that's not uncommon. There are not a ton of outfields in the league anymore that are truly elite. There are some. There are some that are truly elite outfields. I would call the Red Sox outfield routinely a pretty elite outfield. They have Jackie Bradley Jr. most times. They have Mookie Betts. And then they have a J.D. Martinez that is either playing in the corner or is DHing. And when they don't have him, they mix in other guys. Overall, I would say that is a very good defensive outfield. There are more in the league, but that's kind of the one that comes to mind for me um, most obviously. But overall, there are not amazing defensive outfields across the league. So that is something that pitchers are going to have to deal with, but having to deal with it in a ballpark like Coors Field just adds on to the difficulty. So I thought, okay, some of the best pitchers in Rockies history, what was their ERA? Where what What could be a baseline? And I found out that the 20th best era season 20th in over 20 seasons for the rockies the 20th best season if you were to look at that for another team i can't even imagine how low that number would be i mean if you were to look at a team like the astros that i mean that number would have to be i'm i'm looking it up right now because i am extremely curious the 20th best pitcher in ERA for the for the Astros all-time had a 2.45 ERA. If you go all the way down to the 40th best ERA, it is 2.75. If you were to go even farther, for you to be able to reach 4.0 ERAs in the best seasons in Astros history, I would assume you'd have to go probably into the over 100s. If you go to the Rockies, their 20th best season is a 4.00 ERA by Armando Reynoso in 1993. He had a 4.00. Denny Stark also did it in 2002. Other than that, every single person 20th and above in Rockies history has a 4 or higher ERA. The Jorge De La Rosa 2015 year, most of the Aaron Cook years, Um, Ubaldo Jimenez is the only pitcher that they've really had outside of you know, Yahulis Chassin. Those are the two guys really that have ever put together consistent, great under four ERA seasons. Other than that, it just ceases to exist. John Gray is on pace to do it right now. If you add in his 2017 season to his 2019 season, he's on pace to do it right now. But other than that, it is not a common feat. So expecting pitchers to allow A 4 ERA or less in a Rockies uniform is just, it's not, it's not logical. Unless they were to bring in Verlander, Kershaw, uh, Scherzer, DeGrom, and make that their top four of their rotation, they are not consistently going to get under that. So it made me think, what is a fair expectation of Rockies pitchers? What could probably consistently get them wins in the long run? What is the best formula for them You know, to be able to put together a winning team while also not relying on them with unrealistic expectations. And what I found was if you were to allow four runs as a a starter for the Rockies, if you were to allow four runs in every single one of your starts on average, over 200 innings. So that's kind of, if you're able to reach 200 innings in today's MLB very impressive feat so the stat could waver but if you were to allow four runs in every single one of those starts that's not you know with the one run starts with the nine run starts if you were able to just allow four runs every start your era would be 5.13 if you were to tell me that a rockies pitcher every single game he pitched could go out there and allow four runs by the way This is calculated to if he went 7 innings as well. So if he allowed 4 runs across 7 innings in every single start that he went, that's a 5.13 ERA. Now fans, when you're looking at it, it's like, okay, 5.13 ERA is atrocious. That is not a good year. But if you mean to tell me that a starter like a Kyle Friedman, like a Herman Marquez, like a John Gray, every single start you could have him go 7 innings and allow 4 runs, you are going to win a ton of those games especially at Coors Field if you were to calculate it recalculate it to a pitcher allowing five runs every single one of those starts you're looking at you know around a 6.39 ERA even that they would be able to deal with so expecting Kyle Freeland to have a 2.85 ERA Any other season is in his career, much less to even get within a run of that is probably foolhardy. And expecting that to happen is expecting more than this franchise is probably capable of bringing in. They are not the thing is, with without money even being discussed, they are not going to bring in the Verlanders, they're not going to bring in the Coles, they're not going to bring in the Scherzers, the Kershaws. It's not going to happen. Because those guys are not going to sign to come play in Colorado. They did not sign Dallas Keuchel. Not because they're you know so fiscally irresponsible that they think that they don't need to spend money. They did not sign him overall because he did not want to come here. I would bet my whole entire you know bank account that they were not going to be able to get him to be interested in signing a short-term deal in Colorado that would likely end his career. Look at the type of pitchers they've been able to have. Obaldo Jimenez, gone. Yehuli Shasin, gone. They've had to ship out their pitchers in one form or another because they cannot keep them. Pitchers will not stay here unless they overpay them and their homegrown guys. Even if the Rockies were to overpay a Verlander, say give him three years, 120, give him $40 million a year. All of the money that they can spend on him, that other teams may not be able to just based on them having to overpay would not make up for the back end when his career's over because his ERA was 3.8 the entire time he was with the Rockies, and no one is going to sign him to a high money deal after that. That is a reality that I think Rockies fans need to come to grips with. I know it is, it would be absolutely amazing to see a guy like Scherzer toe the bump at Coors Field every fifth day and give you just an absolute lockdown starter. But that's not realistic. It's going to be the John Gray around four ERA, which is absolutely amazing. John Gray has been great this year. Herman Marquez has been good this year as well. His ERA is above four. Senzatella in 11 of his 17 starts, I believe, has allowed three runs or fewer. That is great. And his ERA is above five right now. So I think that the expectations of Rockies pitchers have become almost—it's almost like all of this bias that is perceived against the Rockies. Rockies fans are now turning that into a "woe is me." Look at our pitchers, how terrible they are. But Coors Field isn't a thing. It's one or the other. You cannot—you cannot one think that Coors Field is not a factor, which it is. It's proven in every circumstance that it is a factor. I get that maybe the bias is a little too strong in places, but it is a 100% a factor. While also thinking that pitchers need to be absolutely elite while dealing with that. You believe one or the other. You believe that, okay, a Rockies pitcher can have a 4 ERA because of the ballpark he pitches in, and that's good. Or you can believe that, okay, the bias isn't true, and therefore Rockies pitchers need to be great. You cannot believe pieces of each of them. And that's a huge problem with the way people are viewing the organization. I am one that agrees that the Rockies do not probably make the amount of moves that they should if they want to be a truly competitive team. That being said, their areas where they can make those type of deals are not these expansive areas. They they are not going to be able to make the trades that the Yankees can, that the Red Sox can, that the Dodgers can. That has nothing to do with payroll. That has to do with the fact that those... Teams are built for both long-term success and short-term success. They can take those risks. The Rockies, while with a decent farm system, are not set up that same way. Once Blackman is gone, they currently do not have anyone that can replace his production in the minor leagues. If Arenado opts out after three years, they can shift to McMahon over, but there's not a huge, broad range of things that they can do once he leaves expecting the Rockies to be this perennial World Series contender is probably just not realistic. And if that is if that is all that fans are looking for, I personally would recommend finding a different team. It's not being too harsh. It's just being realistic with where they're at. I like to keep everything in perspective. I like to keep it objective. And the way I've viewed, the way that people are reacting to the Rockies, as well as the way that even some people are covering the Rockies, it's just... It's a weird, it's this weird dynamic where people think that the Rockies can actually contend for a World Series title without looking at the expansive amount of evidence that says that they can't. The league is different than it was in 2007 when they went to the World Series. Not to mention the odds of that exact run ever happening again are so small that they're almost unquantifiable the odds that the rockies go on a huge october run like they did that year go through the wild card game or the wild card round make it all the way to the world series it's just not probable and the team that they had that year for them to have done that it's it's almost i mean like i said it's almost unquantifiable how they were able to do that so expecting them to do that again is is going to set people up to constantly be angry about the team the way the team is going to constantly be maybe misjudging the way that things are the th- way that things are operating um just in a nutshell the things that i've seen this year bud black is a bad manager bud black's a, a good manager i wouldn't call him great he's good he's completely changed the complexion of the way that they pitch whether that is good or bad, he has changed them into a recipe that worked last year. It may not have worked this year, but I think over the long run, it will give them success that they really haven't found from a pitching staff any time in recent years. Overall, Jeff Breidich hasn't been the best GM. That is the one I will agree with. I think that many of his moves or lack thereof are have been a net negative for the team, and the guys that are giving him consistent net positives: Charlie Blackman, Nolan Arenado, David Dahl, uh Trevor Story, um, you know, Kyle Freeland, those guys that have given them good results are all Dano Doubt's guys, they are not Jeff Breidish's guys, and the extension I've heard okay, Jeff Breidish's best move was signing that extension. I will go, I will die on the hill that that extension for Nolan Arenado, he is an absolutely amazing player, but the deal that he signed, there's a reason he signed it, even if they weren't going to compete, is because it is the most player-friendly deal that has been given out in the MLB, I would say, in its history. I get that there's the, oh, well, Benia's contract with the Mets pays him for the next 50 years. Cool, okay, that's a loophole that they found in a contract. Good for his agent. But actual raw contracts, it is better than Bryce Harper's. It is better than Manny Machado's. I would argue it's better than Mike Trout's. Mike Trout's deal gives him an enormous amount of money every single year. It also does not allow him to opt out. So he will spend the rest of his career in a mediocre franchise that is the Angels. Nolan Arenado has an opt out after his third year, after his fourth year, after his fifth year, after his sixth year, after his seventh year, and then after his eighth year, he's obviously a free agent. Tell me one guy in the MLB that would not sign a contract that tells him, okay, you are locked in to the second highest average in the league for the first three years of your contract. If you do super well, you can opt out and get a brand new contract. If you don't do well, you can ride this all the way through the rest of your career, getting paid for production you're not giving. I don't see a single misnomer in that contract that makes that not the most attractive contract ever. Overall... I don't think Black is a bad manager. I don't think Breidich is a great GM. He's not a terrible GM. He's right in the middle. He's very middle-of-the-road mediocre. I know it sounds like a mean word, but he's, he's middle-of-the-road. The pitching staff, hitting staff, all of those guys have done a pretty good job. Expecting them to fire their entire coaching staff right after they hired them is just ridiculous. So I think that... This may have been a rant-type podcast, but I've just seen so much, and it's like people need to be more realistic with their expectations, and I totally get it. Like I said, fan is short for fanatic. I understand why people are not realistic, but being realistic allows fans to not only be smarter about the way they're watching the game, but also enjoy the game, I think, to a different degree realizing that these guys are all humans and they all try harder at their job than most people try at their job at their respective outside jobs outside of baseball um, helps you put it into perspective and also looking at the fact that teams if you say okay a team will win 90 games and go to the playoffs they are still losing 72 games in a year that is a ton of losses every loss is not a backbreaker and every win is not the key to a world series title Putting it all in perspective is the best way to watch the Rockies. And I think in the long run, it will make it a more enjoyable product. But overall, go check MileHighSports.com. Have a feature up about the All-Star game and kind of the brotherhood that went into that. I obviously went to Cleveland. Great experience. Great home run derby. Great talking to different guys that you don't get to talk to too much. Talk to Garrett Cole, Matt Chapman, Josh Bell. You know, Talk to different guys about the relationships they've formed. Also a feature that digs into the numbers and the comments about Freeland's start. I am on the I am on the fence about him. I think that his first start does is not indicative of the way he is right now. The delay, the fatigue that comes with that delay, and then the lucky hits. I think all of it formulated to make his start look a lot worse than it is. The Yankee start is going to tell a lot more about what he is be what he has become after that demotion. And then we also have a piece up about Ryan McMahon's pregame ritual, that kind of stuff. So be sure to keep checking on milehighsports.com. Always have pieces going up. Be sure to keep listening into the Twentieth and Blake podcast. Um, rate, subscribe, you know, do whatever you need to do to give us some feedback so we can better cater it to maybe what fans wanna see. Um if maybe these rant type podcasts where I maybe dispel some You know, things I have often seen from fans is not quite your cup of tea. Put it in the comments and maybe we can shift it around. Be sure to drop me questions at Luke Zalman on Twitter as well. Um, I will answer those on the podcast and have a great doubleheader. Um, Just about to get started. By the time I post this, it'll probably be about first pitch of the first game. Big series for the Rockies. They need to start winning these home series Um, and then splitting at least on the road um if they have a chance to make the postseason um so huge series coming up then they will head to new york i will have another podcast up at the end of this giant series so stay tuned for that one and i will talk to you next time baseball fans